Hello and welcome to another fun-filled nonsense retrospective. I'm your host as always, Rick, and joining me equally as always is Devon. Hello, Fabled players. Today we take you on a grand adventure of fun, magical items that can only be given at a DM's discretion. Yeah. Are we doing another top five? We're doing magical items. And before we get too far into that, let's go with our nonsense asinine hypotheticals. And what have you got for me today? I've got an interesting one for you, Rick, but very quickly beforehand, uh, Rick's still in Australia, so this was pre recorded fucking ages ago. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, we good for my question? Yeah, let's go. Alrighty. Rick, using only real edible ingredients, what flavour ice cream would you make that is not already a flavour to try and be as disgusting as possible? Now, the reason why oh, I say... Oh, disgusting as possible. Yeah. So the reason why I say edible is because it would be very easy to go, oh, dog shit, you know? Uh, okay. So my first thought of this is um, the way that the Bertie Bot beans made the vomit flavoured bean. Yeah, no, I mean a natural flavour. I don't mean like, you know, I'm going to try and make it horrible by making it vomity. They combined pepperoni with lemon juice. Okay, pick one. So the idea is it's it's a pepperoni and lemon uh, extract flavoured uh, ice cream. Pick one. Oh man, you didn't say that to begin with. Okay, but the, the uh. intent of the question, this is this is the difference between a DM who is rules as written and rules as intended. <laughs> okay, what's the thing that I... Uh, Cuttlefish? What does that even taste of? I mean, obviously a bit fishy, probably. Yeah, I think it's like gritty, inky fish. Um... See, the only time I've had cuttlefish as uh, thought of cuttlefish as a food item is the bone is great for birds. Sure. Uh, oyster would be a pretty disgusting one. Uh... <laughs> Because that's just a fishy sneeze. Uh, mushroom, for people that don't like it, is just absolute poison, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> Poisons everything it fucking touches. Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's something I think people don't appreciate for um, people who don't like pickles on their sandwiches or burgers. And they're like, just take them out. You can't just take them out because the flavour taints everything else. Yeah. Like, as soon as it's touched it, it's like, okay, yeah, this now taste of the thing that it's touched. And you can't get rid of that flavour. You you can't just take it off. Mushrooms in particular are a big fuck for um for pizza because they just bleed all their black slime into everything and make everything disgusting. Oh Rick, don't hold back now. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um on a personal level, yes, I will go with mushroom ice cream. Mushroom flavoured <laughs> ice cream. I didn't even know mushrooms had a taste really. I thought it was the texture there's always the texture that put me off. Yeah. Well that's that's part of it. Like there's that glurgy MSG flavour, which, you know, actual MSG is much nicer than just the mushroom flavour. Okay. So yeah, how about you? What would you make into your um, your single flavour revolting ice cream? I like how you specified that because I was such a dick about it. <laughs> Uh, I would actually make it chicken flavoured because chicken flavoured stuff is usually nice. I like chicken. Chicken is good. Chicken goes in my tummy. However, I think if you took that taste and put it into an ice cream, it would be a foul, foul creation. Oh, yes. And the thing is, a lot of the time, chicken flavour isn't chicken flavour. It's the flavour of chicken stock. Okay, I, chicken I, salt and things like that. I understand what you're saying, but when I, I I'm, when I said chicken flavor, I meant the flavor of a chicken that has been cooked. Yeah, chicken flavor flavor. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, like one of my favorite things that companies do is like at Christmas time they'll release limited edition crisps like pigs in blanket flavor and turkey flavor, and then you get them and it's just smoky bacon and chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, because pigs in blankets is just pork and pork. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, Rick, um, yeah, I yeah. think those were some fun answers, despite me being a bit critical of your choices. Uh, how about you? Do you have a yeah, question yeah. for me? Yeah, so we're talking about our favourite magic items top five today. Uh, my hypothetical is, what is your least favourite magic item? Okay, okay, okay. Ring of Winter. Sure. <laughs> Is that because they troll you in Storm Kings by, like, hyping it up and then it just doesn't show up? Yeah, so I actually like the Ring of Winter as an item. I've looked it up since, and that's cool. It's basically the one ring, but winter-flavoured. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they bring it up in Storm King as a motivating factor for the Frost Giants, and then they also tell you that, by the way, this ring doesn't show up in this module. Where does it show up? Oh, the yeah. Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah, and there's a footnote in that. Like, there's just a guy that has it, and if you run into him, cool. And even if you run into him, you probably don't know that he has the ring because he's not just flaunting it. <laughs> it's a weird decision. Like, it's not even a module that you could naturally transition into. I thought it was like a plot hook for if you wanted to do more adventuring after Storm King was done. But no. Yeah, I think it, that's what they, yeah I, th- yeah, I think they kind of intended for people to, like, have that as something you might want to do later and, like, rely on DMs to, you know, write things because Storm Kings, I think, is the best um, book module for training DMs to do homebrew because there's like that whole middle section which is just here's the world go I, I had you guys do some genie bullshit which I completely made up because I saw the genie yes. entry and went I want these guys to fight this thing yeah 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 that I thought fun. it was okay it was interesting <clears throat> yeah it was interesting and different uh, uh, so yeah yeah Ring of Winter is a pretty good one for specifically those reasons <laughs> yeah man like it would be a cool item to base a campaign around don't get me wrong but it just infuriated me while running Storm King. And you guys yeah. only went to that section because of some other bullshit that involved sending. Anyway, I'm not gonna, I'm not better. I'm not going to bullshit any further. Rick, what's your least favourite? <laughs> or worst My favourite, uh, my least favourite is the Humble Plus Ones. They're, they're good, but the thing is that they set a performance expectation on the system that the developers say that you can get away with not using magic items at all. Oh, that's bollocks. But when you see, yeah, when you see the power scaling of any book module, it is revealed to be a lie. <laughs> I mean, okay, the most important thing from a plus one weapon is being plus one now makes it a magic weapon and that makes actually fighting things at higher levels possible because take the humble ghoul. It's not a high challenge rating monster and if you have access to magic weapons it would be trivial. However, at level one it's terrifying because it's resistant to slashing, bludgeoning and piercing damage apart from magical weapons which means it takes half damage from those sources and unless you're a spellcaster at level one, you're not going to have access to much magic yep well we're boned yeah it's uh it goes double for lycanthropes literally because they take zero damage from non-magical beepers unless it's silvered yeah which let's be honest most people running a campaign of a, a, around lycanthropy will probably have some plot bullshit reason for you to have silver weapons yeah like one of your characters is if they're not the matt mercer blood hunter then they're gonna be at least themed after it they might have started the game with a silver dagger or better yet bec- hey guess what this group of harp has found out that there's a rumour going around that there's werewolves terrorising this village. They have tasked your group to investigate the rumours. They've also given you all silver weapons just in case it's true and you need to fight some werewolves. Done! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's why I don't like plus ones and plus twos because, like, they also take away from the option of having something more interesting. 
I get you. Like, a plus two is the same rarity, I believe, as a flame tongue, which is like an extra 2d6 fire. Like, that's cool. That's interesting. It's powerful. It's going to make you feel like a badass. Yeah, but, but a plus it's, two, okay. It's one of those, man. Like, there's certain campaigns where you want the party to feel powerless, and there's not a particular reason I'm bringing this up. It's not like I'm about to run Curse of Strahd. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Magic Mart's Magic Mart is in Curse of Strahd. Jeez, like, yeah, that is a thing much, I did, uh, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just, uh, uh, okay, this is the rarity you can go up to for this hand-me-out, and, uh, yeah, the same thing later on at a higher rarity. I was very generous in uh, Storm King, and I made it very oh, clear totally. in the Session Zero for Curse of Strahd that I'm gonna be a stingy fucking DM. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do the complete lack of treasure by the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, we're going to talk about our top five magic items. Uh, what's going to be your number five? My number five is the D&D DM's classic because I don't want to fucking pay attention to inventory and I'm sure the players don't either. It's the humble bag of holding. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good one to just hand out early on even if it's above the power curve of what you should be getting because technically the power is zero because if the players manage their inventories better, then they don't need it but players don't manage their inventories better we're looking at you Tav (laughs) oh I feel so called out yeah no I sent you that meme as well ages ago of everybody's inventory like just stuff they need Tav fucking I don't know when I picked up six silver cups but they're there yep (laughs) I like the other little theory that um, the rest of the party has a bag of holding and that's where they put their tent and they just don't tell Tav (laughs) because they know how much shit he carries around with him I I do send a lot of stuff to the uh, to the party chest, which is basically a bag of holding. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a giga bag of holding. Like, um, if you're if you can go through the bother of sending things directly to the party chest from uh, looting, then it doesn't even have enough to go in your inventory. You can just go straight to Amazon. Ah, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I like the bag of holding. I've every single campaign I've ru- I've run, I've given out a bag of holding before the first level up. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Th- you might be able to get away with it this time because we've got an artificer who can just make one. Like, well, here's the thing, right? Is I trust my players not to be silly. Like, um, yeah. The only exception is I did have to tell one of our players in a private chat because they wanted to make another bag of holding so they could do the nuke thing. And I said, no, because, yeah, yeah. no, I don't want that to happen in the game because I didn't give you this bag of holding so you could be silly with it. I gave it to you so we could not pay attention to inventory rate. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's one of those where, okay, in my game, if that happen, if you do that, they just both stop working until you stop being silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those where, it's a fun idea, don't get me wrong, it's just, it wasn't for that campaign, it just wasn't the B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, what gets your number five slot? My number five is the Ring of Spell Storing. I like this because it's essentially as versatile as your party is. It doesn't give you any abilities that your party doesn't have, but it spreads out the abilities that your party has. So so, like, your your entirely non-magical fighter or rogue can now be the blessed bot. Or um, your tanky cleric can now be slightly tankier with, with shield spells. And it just lets you use yesterday's or last week's spell slots today. Yeah. It needs refueling when you're going to do that in your, in your little mini bits of downtime. But, like, it can also be passed around the party. And it's just... It, 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 it's an item that incentivizes teamwork and combos in fun ways. Yeah, it's a shame that you guys only had access to that for the final encounter. In, in. We're going to reference games we do, guys. It's 
the nature of D&D talks, um, where uh, one of our players picked that and they filled it with their spells to essentially just give them extra spell slots. But they could have passed it around and got some diversity. It just, I don't think there was any communication there. Yeah, like, yeah, you can pass it around. That might be the best way to do it. Um, it's a way that you can give everyone a familiar, for instance. Yeah, although, as a, D- cute. although as a DM, I probably would have went, I don't want to manage that. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't want everyone to have a, a, a little mini hoodie just going around. <laughs> just fly buying everything and doing a help action all the time just being a pain in the arse and ended up ending up being public threat number one and getting shot immediately yeah yeah so i think that's enough about me and the ring of spell storing what's going to be your number four my number four is going to be dwarven plate okay i like themed racial gear uh technically speaking dwarven plate doesn't have to be fitted for a dwarf uh it just has to it's just yeah. made by a dwarf it gives you plus two armor and it makes you more resistant to being controlled by the enemy in the sense that they can't push you around quite so easily yeah it's just dwarven stubbornness personified in armor yeah like it makes you fuck off heavy uh you don't give this to your rogue yeah <laughs> but apart from that it's just a fun piece of flavor like in almost every single law uh ever since tolkien dwarves have been master smiths and what better sort of item to just personify that yeah they make good shit yeah yeah absolutely absolutely now i'm sure if we had a, a member of our uh partying team on the podcast they'd be going nah nah adamantine instead but uh fuck now nah, i've picked dwarven <laughs> <laughs> yeah adamantine is kind of generically useful for anybody that uses it but dwarven is just more flavorful I, I i get that i get that how about you rick what gets your number four spot my number four is the sunblade and i put in my little note it's a freaking lightsaber <laughs> It sort of is. Like I've seen the art for it. It's just yeah. It's it, it's not even a lightsaber. It's the dark saber if it was made of light instead of dark. And I know that sounds dumb, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a regular looking sword hilt, and then when you turn it on, you get your uh, your sunbeam blade that's like held in place, and it could be whatever shape it needs to be. Uh, normally, it's just the basic bitch uh, cylindrical lightsaber shape, but sometimes you get a cool kind of uh, design like you would with the Darksaber. Yeah, so the art um, I've seen and, for it has it looking like a longsword, so that's why I was bringing up the Darksaber comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and technically it's less powerful than a flame tongue, but it's a lightsaber. <laughs> In the campaign that it's in, it vastly outweighs the uh, uh, the flame tongue. Oh yes, um, because you know, being a sunblade, it does sunlight, which is a big deal sometimes. It's um, a it's a curse. Like, of, it's a weapon exclusive. Well, I don't know if it's introduced during it, but it's a big part of the Curse of Strahd campaign. And the enemy in that is a freaking vampire. So guess what? Having a sword made of the sun is pretty fucking good. Yeah, I think the one in Curse of Strahd is a unique one, and you can get generic ones that are not you know doing the unique thing. Okay, I, every time I've looked up the sun sword online it just links you to the curse of strad one okay i think sun sword is different to basic sunblade oh okay i didn't re- i thought you were just getting the name wrong yeah yeah so there's you see the sun sword or the dawn blade that's the uh, the curse of strad one and then just basic sunblade is a normal um rare uh, but yes that's enough about me and the sunblade and it's extra d8 against uh, fiends and undead uh how about you for number three my number three goes to the humble plus one plus two plus free weapon oh <laughs> sure sure as i, I don't s- hate it <laughs> uh there's a reason why i was defending it a bit in the intro because it's pretty high up my list of top five items 
Sure. It's a pretty sure. it's a pretty good way to just give a character a quick buff. Like it's a nice little reward. You now have plus one to attack and damage. That's nothing to laugh at. Also, yeah. Creatures before that were resistant to... It's mostly, don't get me wrong, exclusively useful to melee characters, fighter characters, barbarians, etc. Or archers. Archers too, but archers are in a weird place because ammunition also has plus one, plus twos, and they're silly. Yeah, but it's one of those. You can give plus one, plus two ammo early on, but ideally they're going to want a plus one, plus two bow because that just bestows it upon the ammo. Yeah, the the ammunition's weird. I don't know. I don't understand the ammunition part. It seems really ridiculous because it's expensive as fuck. Um, yeah, I think the idea is, oh, you're level one. Oh, well, you found just you just found two plus one arrows. Just use them at the time that feels right. So they never get used. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Um, The other reason this is on my list is because... Yeah, plus one, plus two, plus three weapons are just good to have anyway. But almost definitely better items will just have these effects. Yes. So it's like, yeah, I I kind of... Like, they just give these to other items. So I understand why people will be like, oh, they're a bit shit to just have that. But it's the standard. It's the golden rule. You want this shit. Yeah. The other thing is, like, when a book is written, they generally won't give you plus ones, plus twos, and whatever of things that your build is built around. Like, if you're a pole arm master or a crossbow expert guy you're not getting the thing that you want you're gonna get a longsword you're gonna get a uh, you're gonna get a longbow yeah okay but i'm not an idiot when i dm like sure <laughs> it's one of those where i like to like with curse of strad it's going to be a lot more to the book than storm king but that's because storm king is just it's really not an adventure in its own right it's more like the bones of an adventure yeah okay yeah yeah so it's like yeah curse of strad there's going to be some items that you guys get that you just won't use and i'll be like that's fine some things i might just refresh flavor just so they fit your characters other things it's like nah fuck it take it or leave it because depends depends how much the party has pissed me off that day sure (laughs) i'm not i'm not embarrassed to admit that some of my decisions is made by how annoying has the party been (laughs) yeah how long have they spent pissing about with this one thing that should have been a five minute decision at most The fucking whole lich derailment in Storm King was driving me insane as a DM. Like it was good from a roleplay yeah. perspective, and I was I didn't want to stop it. But at the same time, in my head, I'm like, it's not a fucking lich. You're doing a story about giants. Why do you think there's a lich? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes a tree is just a tree. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys just gave. It, it, there was a skull down there, a giant skull, and that's what had the necromancy energy. It wasn't a lich. It was just an item being weird. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Skull was from a dead guy. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, man. Uh, Anyway, uh, what's your number three? My number three, uh, just like for number two, I put it's a freaking lightsaber. Number three, the mighty servant of Luko. I've put the as a a tagline, it's a freaking Zord. Yeah, isn't this a part one or two item? Yeah, so I think there's like a uh, a thing that it wants to go and destroy. Okay. Uh, So if you are piloting it, then it will try and take over your mind so it can go and destroy the other thing so it can cease to exist. Ah. Um, And once it's taken over your mind, you're essentially a meat puppet for the servant, which then uses you to pilot it because it can't pilot itself, but it can possess someone to pilot it. Okay, sure. Yeah, didn't... Um, didn't, So, yeah. I think Nibs wanted this. Yeah, it's like beyond legendary. And I was like... It's... uh, There was that, and I was also like, even if that wasn't a limiting factor, it makes no sense for this to show up in this campaign. Yeah. (laughs) It's basically got the stats of a a final boss that you can just pilot. (laughs) (laughs) There's a less powerful version of this called the Apparatus of Quality, 
polish, which is, it's a barrel, and you press the button and it unfolds into a crab mech, which you can pilot, and it's way less powerful. And even that's, like, very rare, legendary kind of rarity. It's one of those where, like, I think it's fun, and it's grand that you can base adventures around a single item, like uh, the Ring of Winter, for example, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, It's just, the, the setting, it has to make sense. Yes, 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 yes. I think I even said, like, because I was so convinced that there was not going to be a convincing argument, and there wasn't, I said, you know what, I'll consider it if you can give me a good fucking reason for it to be there. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of thing, having a mecha pet is the kind of thing that is actually built into Artificer if you go down the path that has a mecha pet. Yeah, but she was a gun. Yeah. She was a yeah, gun. she was the gun guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I, I, like, I like the Zord, I like the mech, I like that the one time you ever get to pilot something like that is going to be memorable because it's it's so balls to the walls powerful that you're gonna remember it for most of the rest of your D&D career. Yeah. So yeah, what's gonna be your number two? My number two is a wondrous item, a very rare wondrous item, a very rare wondrous item that inspired a homebrew item that I wanted you guys to take, which I don't think you did. It is the okay. Afriti bottle. Oh, okay. It's a magic lamp, but a bottle. Um. So yeah, it, it's a bottle, it's a brass bottle, it's painted. You can open the bottle, fire comes out, harmless fire, and then an Afriti appears, which is a challenge rating 11 monster, which I had you... Oh, no, I didn't have you fight the Afriti. I think it was a different genie. Anyway, either way. Either way yeah, um, yeah, we fought a Dao. That's the one. Uh, so, yeah, an Afriti appears, and you get to roll a D100, which is always fun. On a 1 to 10, the Afriti attacks you and fights you for 5 rounds before fucking off. 11 to 90, the Afriti serves you for an hour doing as you command, and then the Afriti goes back to the bottle, um, and you can't remove the bottle's lid for another 24 hours. Uh, you can do this for a maximum of 3 times. On the 4th time, the Afriti fucks off. On a 91 sure. to 100, or double zero. The Afriti can cast a wish spell three times for you. You get three wishes because it's a genie bottle. When it grants the final wish or after one hour, the bottle loses its magic and the Afriti fucks off. Um, uh, yeah, Afritis are not to be trifled with. You have to be prepared to fight one. You can't just, you know, go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like um, Genie Jafar. Like, they're uh, they're not exactly good people. Yeah, it's one of those weird ones. They're lawful evil, so they're, they're selfish and self-serving, but they do obey the letter of the law, or rather, they do have a code. Mm. So as long as you know that code, yeah. they're not the worst thing to deal with. But I would, out, of the, out of the four genies I know of, it wouldn't be my first pick to deal with. No. Uh, but yeah, the caveat yeah, yeah. with this as well is even if you get the free wishes because it's an Afriti, they it says in their rules they actively warp wishes. So they're that type of genie that goes, "Oh, you want to, uh, you want the biggest arms in the world? Okay, you want, sorry, you want to be the strongest person in the world? They give you s- the biggest muscles ever, but you can't move because you're so fucking big. You know, yeah, sh- yeah. shit like you're that. Fair. It's basically a monkey's paw." Yeah, you go beyond the square cube law and just, yeah, even with the amount of muscle that you have, the weight is more than the uh, than the strength can support. Your strength stat is 99, but your movement is zero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just a fun item to throw at the party for a bit of uh, a bit of silliness. Like, in an, I probably wouldn't put this in a serious campaign. Don't get me wrong, but as a bit of a side bit of of jokes and fun. Like, the limit of a of a wish is only limited to your imagination and some arbitrary rules. But you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's my number two. What about you, Rick? I'm doing a last minute reshuffle because uh, the more that I think about my the what I have got as my number two, I want to put it as my number one. So my number two is now going. Going to be the Mizium apparatus. It's a it's a mere uncommon item. Ooh. But it spawned an entire genre of cheese build theorycraft. 
It does a what now? That, yeah. So what it does, um, you can roll an Arcana check to cast a spell that you don't know from a class that you are okay. using your spell slots, which sounds reasonable until you realize you can now be a level one druid, a level one cleric, a level one wizard, a level one uh, sorcerer, and then just have all of their spell lists as if you were the uh, the current party's level in all of them. So what you're telling me is you become a togepi. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, better than that, if you fail the check, then you do a random spell. So you're a togepi. Yeah, you're a togepi. <laughs> it's you're, great. You're, you have one move. It is metronome. Go. Let's pray it's not self-destruct. Yep, yep. Uh, what this is also good for is if, say, you've got, like, two levels of pally, and that gives you, like, it gives you level one pally spells, but, like, the rest of you is, like, sorcerer or whatever. Um, you can try, as soon as you get to, like, level two, three, four spell slots as a multi-class character to cast the level two, three, four pally spells. Sure. Getting level four spell slots on a multi-class is a lot easier than getting it on a mono pally. Like, you wouldn't get it into, like, level 13, usually. Yeah, because pally's a half-caster. Uh, yeah, so you can get that are like level eight or nine as a uh, multi-class caster which is within the scope of most one to tens funnily enough yeah weird, and that. then you can have find greater street not street find greater steed which gives you a pet unicorn which you can then use as a mount or ally in battle and that thing would get for killed instance Im- immediately every time <laughs> um but yeah that's i think it's a cool item uh, the the reason that it's not as used in games is that being Mizium, it is made of a material that is only found on the Magic the Gathering plane of Ravnica. Oh, okay. uh, it shows up in the Ravnica book, and that's a good reason for a DM to say, no, fuck off, it's from that place and you're not there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, however, it was cool and interesting enough that um, some homebrew DMs go, oh yeah, this is an interesting item, yes, you can get something like that. Yeah, so you can either reflavor uh, it so it exists in the place you are, or, I don't know, you could be in some weird interdimensional collector's palace and just steal one or make a deal with a yeah. fae. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some fun ways you can implement uh, it if someone really wants it and it doesn't, You, as a DM, don't think it'll break your game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's my number two. What's going to be your top spot number one? Yeah, you may have noticed that these last two options are entirely plot motivated and this one's no different. It is, of course, the legendary, I'm sure, deck of many things. Oh, yes. <laughs> So here's the thing, uh, we're playing a Pathfinder game, which is essentially uh, Paizo's take on what if you turned the deck of many things into a campaign. Okay. Um, and then when we played Storm Kings, we essentially got it derailed by the deck of many things. Yeah, if you introduce this in a campaign early on, or at any point, and someone decides to draw a card, you can have a really bad time. Like, there's one that's just yes. straight up, here's the Avatar of Death, fight it one-on-one. Oh, yeah, um, we had a bunch of guys all draw from the deck of many things and they all drew the uh, avatar of death but their little uh, faction benefit was they get stronger the more of them they are so because there were so many of them they all defeated the avatar of death it was funny <laughs> mm, fair enough um, and another one was um, that there's like a devil that becomes your enemy and hunts you down and the that character's exit from the campaign after it was complete was that the devil makes good on that 
and uh, got them arrested and, and brought to hell. So yeah, there was no good end for anyone in that campaign. That was also Storm Kings. Uh, you've also got the, the rogue card, which any non-player character, don't know why they spelled it out and didn't put NPC, but whatever, um, the D, uh, that the DM chooses, becomes hostile towards the drawer. The identity of this enemy isn't known until the NPC or someone else reveals it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> some random person in the world fucking hates you, but you won't know unless they act upon that hatred. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one that I do like as well is the is the keep where you you just get a keep somewhere in the world. It's festooned with bandits. Uh, uh, three people drew that card, and we ended up stacking them all together to make this like big old tower. But yeah, if we went to go and take it, then it would just have an actual army of bandits in it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a bit. I don't think that's the um uh definition of the card. Says a random keep in the world becomes yours. It's not a. It's not magically made. Although I yeah, fair enough. I suppose the DM can flavour it however they want. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, hang on, let's see. In addition, you gain rightful ownership of a small keep somewhere in the world. However, this keep is currently in the hands of monsters. So, not bandits either, just monsters. You just go there and a fucking oh, yeah, Strahd monsters, ripoff yeah. is there. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Strood. <laughs> And you've also got stuff that's not outright awful, but isn't great, like ruin. All forms of wealth that you carry your own, other than magic items, are lost. Property vanishes, yep. businesses, buildings, and deeds all go away. So everything fucks off. Everything you own is gone, except for your magic items. And I think that is just because the person writing the rules went, I think the players would quit. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> if it was magic items, they'd go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's one of those, like, I think there are more positive effects than negative in the deck of many things, but... Oh, fuck. No, there ain't. It's just the positive ones are really positive. I don't think there's more yeah. positive effects. It's just they're so good. If you get it, it's a game changer, but in a good way. Like you get enough XP to level up. Yeah. <laughs> or you get a, a, or you get an ability score boost, a free ability score boost of two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the few ways you can get a natural ability above 20. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's just generically really good. It's also one of the few magic items that's not explicitly cursed that has negative effects. And that's just because it always did. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah. I've never used it in a campaign. I probably never will because, as you say, it's an instant derailer no matter what the characters... Unless the characters draw the level up or the ability score improvement, it's just an automatic derailment, good or bad. Because, hey, you got a keep yeah. somewhere in the world. Let's go explore the keep. Oh, I need to make a map. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know... But yeah, um, very definitely I, an iconic item. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I want to use it one day. I don't think I ever will. Rick, what's your number one? My number one is... Uh, it's a little bit of a spoiler for a descent into Avernus, but uh, it's the Sword of Zariel. Okay. Were you a lawful good pally who was so powerful they made Dame Aelin look like a shin kicker? Well, you are now! It overrides your personality's original values with those of a pre-fall Zariel, which for a lawful good pally is not that big of a change. Uh, and in return, you become a unstoppable killing machine with like a 90 foot fly speed. You essentially become a micro angel. And I think it sets your charisma to 20 no matter what it was before. Jeez. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, the only downside is um, the copy of Zariel's heart that's in the sword from before she fell needs to agree with you for you to be able to attune with it. Okay, okay. Is that a, is that a difficult thing to achieve in Descent into Vernus? Because I've not read the module. I 
haven't got a clue. Um, if you play it correctly, then technically it is a difficult thing to achieve because uh, being in Avernus shifts you towards lawful evil over time. Ah. Um, so if players play that correctly, then they will just slowly shift into more morally dubious but like um, devilish ways of thinking, uh, which would technically make it difficult to attune to the Sword of Zariel. But by the same token, if you were originally like, for instance, a lawful good pally, it might actually be the reprieve that you wanted to be able to reset yourself and your soul and your heart and mind to what you think you should be. Sure. In my mind, I'm just thinking of Zevlor finding this sword and trying his best to get it, and that's what made him lose his faith in his paladin oath. Yeah, it's just yeah like, maybe. <laughs> oh, I wasn't good enough for this sword. That means I'm shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this is a very... Um, it's a real good uh, end game weapon. Basically, you more or less only get it for the final boss, which no no prizes for guessing who the final boss of Descent into Avernus is when you get the Sword of Zariel. Is it Mr. Foss? Me- Mephistopheles? Fuck, I can't say the name. Damn it, the joke's ruined! <laughs> Mephistopheles. <laughs> oh, Obviously, I know it's Zariel. That's just, I was trying to think of one of the other demon fucking rulers, and that was the first one I could think of. And like, kudos, yeah. because fucking Lazel's voice actor says that fucking name like three times flawlessly in that voice. So I now realise that it's fucking difficult. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's from Cania, which is the cold hell. Dude, I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, I, I'm just vaguely remembering things from Neverwinter Nights, which is like like 20 years ago in real time. Yeah. Rick, you don't so. know what happened last week. I don't trust your knowledge about 20 years ago. <laughs> I have reached the um, the period of my life when I have uh, parent memory, where things that happened in the first 15 years of my life, I remember perfectly well, and anything after that is, uh, fuck no. I think that's about good enough from both of us. So from my list of five, what was your favourite? Yeah, fuck if I'm remembering the name of it, but it is the robot. Yeah, the mighty servant of Luko. Yeah, I like the idea of it, I really do, and if I could use it in a campaign, I would. It's just never fit thematically. Yeah. Yeah, like the the toned down one, the um, the apparatus of Qualish is a lot more usable because it's a lot less powerful, and any old barrel could just technically be that. Yeah, but it still have to make sense for it being there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, I think the one time we found it, we found it by rolling randomly on a table. Oh. And um, we got, we rolled like, we rolled that and we rolled Sovereign Glue and we'd um, just rescued a Warforged who'd lost his legs. And we were like, huh, is the game telling us to do something specific right now? We glue the Warforged to the crab mech. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I assume Sovereign Glue is just glue that sticks anything together, no questions asked. Yeah, it's, uh, it's super, super glue. And the only way to break it is Wish or Universal Solvent, which is also legendary, but uh, can only be used on Sovereign Glue. Sure. So it's like it's like the worst legendary item to roll. Unless you happen to need it. Yeah, it, it's there to be in modules with Sovereign Glue. Right. Not to be rolled on tables. Yeah, I don't like, in general rule of thumb, I don't like rolling for loot. If I'm rolling for loot, it's for potions, because who gives a fuck about yeah. one-use item? Uh, one-use potions, like, oh, here's a potion of water breathing. We're not ever going to go near water. Oh, well, tough luck. But if yep. it's <laughs> if it's for an item that's actually to try and benefit the party, I would like it to, one, make sense for where it is, and two, be something I know one of the players will want. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I understand it's not always the easiest thing to prepare and rolling on loot tables is, for a lot of people, part of the fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, so what was your favourite from my list? Um, you might blame me for um, going with the recency bias, but I think it was a very good number one pick. It was the deck of many things. I think it's hard and... to argue with, dude. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's very difficult to argue with. It's a it's a real cool item um, because it lets things go wrong in an interesting way, which is one of my favourite parts about D&D in general. Yeah, and on the flip side, you could get a permanent stat buff, a permanent level up, which, by the way, the thing I love about that is someone gets a level up above, uh, so they're a level higher than everyone else in the party, and everyone else sees that and goes, I think I'd want to draw and try and get that. Yeah. <laughs> and when they draw from the dick of many things, I think I was the only player who didn't draw from the deck because um, I didn't want to fuck up my character. Sure. <laughs> Which, um, it's a really weird one where I'm pretty sure that the character would have drawn from it with, you know, not a care in the world. But uh, I was also the only character who was, uh, had been there from the beginning of that campaign because it was uh, an unnaturally deadly version of Storm Kings. Like, well, again, we had a I, wizard yeah, who, who went from 100% HP to dead instantly from the Chunky Salsa rule by getting a rock thrown at him. Yeah, I'm not sure that that was particularly deadly as opposed to mine being particularly soft because again you guys were rolling in magical items that the book didn't tell me to give you I was just like that's you guys are already bullshit overpowered who cares about a little bit more the only times you guys were actually in danger was in the final boss fight and that's because I used some bullshit rules that were optional for Imref because I knew you guys yep. could take it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well to be fair there was also the time when she came down and lightning breath everyone um, if it weren't for me having 3 HP after she did that then that would have technically been a TPK uh Nobody went down from that. I think everyone but me went down. Hmm. Yeah, but Harshnag was there. Yeah, Harshnag was there, and I had, like, mass healing word. <laughs> I remember that was the, the, the first session where our Warlock left us, and I was partially glad the Warlock wasn't there, because I think he would have had you guys, or would have argued for staying and fighting, which that first lightning yeah. breath attack is designed specifically to tell the party to get the fuck out. Yeah, I think you even told me behind the scenes, yeah, this is the one where maybe you want to lead the party away from this. Um, um, and yeah, once it happened, uh, yes, we were able to lead the party away from it. <laughs> yeah, and on the flip side, the reason Harshnag is there is it, in case what happened happened, Harshnag leads the dragon away from the party. Yeah, he's the sacrificial lion in that uh, in that situation. And the fun thing is, the module just straight up says, does Harshnag die? You're the DM, you fucking decide. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, ours, uh, ours didn't... And uh, he showed up later. Uh, obviously, yours kind of didn't, but he got mega brainwormed. Yeah, I um, yeah, I wanted to... Yeah, it was the penultimate encounter in my campaign, wasn't it? It was uh, dead Harshnag being the uh, ultimate bane. Yeah, zombie Harshnag. Yeah. I wanted it to be emotional. I don't know how emotional it was, because uh, about half the party treated it like a regular encounter. <laughs> Yeah, it was sad times. It was sad times. Uh, but yes, that's about it from us this week. If you liked the video, you got the comment section down below on YouTube. And if you got like, uh, bah, 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 bah. if you're listening via one of the many audio platforms, you can instead send us an email, which would go to nonsensereviewuk at gmail.com. Once again, that is nonsensereviewuk at gmail.com. And yes, yeah, if you've made it this far, as always, you're our favourite people. And it's going to be a goodbye from me. And we certainly hope you enjoyed our dive into the wacky world of D. D. We're no Matt Mercer or whatever the other guy's name is, but we do our best. Bye, guys.